For a moment after Mr. and Mrs. Darling left the house, the night lights by the beds of the three children continued to burn clearly. They were awfully nice little night lights, and one cannot help wishing that they could have kept awake to see Peter. But Wendy's light blinked and gave such a yawn that the other two yawned also. And before they could close their mouths, all the three went out. There was another light in the room now, a thousand times brighter than the night lights. And in the time we have taken to say this, it has been in all the drawers in the nursery, looking for Peter's shadow. A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. So magnificent Maeve Magnus is with me on my bed and we're still flopping around in the heat and I want to get back to my editing and my making of my character, Miss Cull. So Mavis has said she will help me with a word spell and she's got some, she's got some special word spell bracelets on. Mavis, can I hear them? I can't, I can't hear them there. Mavis, I think you need to put those on your hands and not your feet. Let me see. Can I can I have a go at the word spell bracelet? So I'm going to wear these bracelets as I write and so they can help me cast my word spells. Gorgeous. <laughs> word spell bracelets. So can I wear them on my wrists when I'm writing? Would that be all right? No. Go on. Be a sport. Will you wear them for me then? Yeah. And cast a spell over my words. Because that's what words are for me. They're spells. They're spells, Mavis. No, spirits are spells. Spirits are spells. Maybe spirits cast spells too. They do. I know you believe in spirits, don't you? What do you think a spirit is? It's a thing after your body, after your life. So a spirit is something that comes at the end of life, after you've died? Well, well, after your ten lives. <gasps> ten lives! You know they say a cat has nine lives, so you're going to have ten lives, are you, Mavis? Yeah. Yes. And what do you imagine you might be in another life? A cat. <laughs> a cat. What kind of cat? Can you describe the cat? Tabby. Oh, tabby cat. They're very pretty. Or, um, what was it called again? I've got... No. Um, they have very long fur. So a long, a long-haired cat. Yeah. A long-haired cat. Yeah. What will you be called in your cat life? 
Willow. <laughs> Willow after the tree. And Willow's your... Is Willow one of your names? Yes. Yes. So Mavis, you've been talking a lot about spirits recently. The life of the spirit after we die. Do you sometimes hear spirits? Yeah, I speak to them. You know, I do that too. I speak to trees. I think they're spirits. Yeah, because like people get buried in on like on the trees, so they don't then the spirits go into the trees and they live as a tree. That's what I think too. I think I want to be a beech tree or an oak tree or a yew tree or a laurel tree because I just smelled a laurel tree this week and it was such a delicious smell. So I thought, hmm, maybe I'll be a laurel tree next. Yeah, I might be a willow tree. I can imagine you being a willow tree, hanging over the riverbank, listening in. Yeah, with weeping willow. A weeping willow. A weeping willow tree spirit. So, so, Maeve Magnus. Maeve Magnus has just gone away. She's gone to bed. She's been spending the last hour or two doodling in her new doodling book. She calls it that. My doodle book, she says. And now she's gone off to bed. And I am reading Peter Pan. This part here. Come away, come away. Chapter 3. For a moment after Mr. and Mrs. Darling left the house, the night lights by the beds of the three children continued to burn clearly. They were awfully nice little night lights, and one cannot help wishing that they could have kept awake to see Peter. But Wendy's light blinked and gave such a yawn. that the other two yawned also. (sighs) And before they could close their mouths, all the three went out. There was another light in the room now, a thousand times brighter than the night lights. And in the time we have taken to say this, it has been in all the drawers in the nursery, looking for Peter's shadow. It was not really a light. It made this light by flashing about so quickly. But when it came to rest for a second, you saw it was a fairy, no longer than your hand, but still growing. It was a girl called Tinkerbell. gowned in a skeleton leaf cut low and square 
through which her figure could be seen to the best advantage. She was slightly inclined to Emben Point. To Emben Point. A moment after the fairy's entrance, the window was blown open by the breathing of the little stars, and Peter dropped in. He had carried Tinkerbell part of the way, and his hand was still messy with the fairy dust. Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell, he called softly after making sure that the children were asleep. Are you? She was in a jug for the moment and liking it extremely. She had never been in a jug before. Tink, tink, tink a bell. I always thought when I first heard the story of Peter Pan by J.M. Barry that I wanted to be Tink. Bell. But as I grew older and wiser, I realised, no, no, she's a devious sort. Not always kind, very mercurial, quick to change her mind, her mood, very whimsical, sometimes very cruel, quite vain, perhaps even silly. No, I was always born to be a Wendy, a Wendy, a Wendy, caring for, looking for, caring for, looking for, the lost boys. I was not Tinkerbell, no, I was never hiding in a jug, I was always pouring something from a jug. Milk. Yes, milk. A jug for me was a practical thing. I think of my grandmother pouring milk into a jug. Wendy is a practical soul. Wendy is wise. Let's find Wendy. just out of the river and shivering, 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 making myself Ovaltine, listening to the radio. I've been listening to classical music almost constantly since the end of the Oxford Chamber Music Festival. I miss it terribly. That level of transcendence every day at one of those concerts or during the rehearsals when I used to sit about waiting for my turn to rehearse or just simply sitting about and listening. Something about what happens to the brain when you listen to complex music perhaps. 
I'm always looking for ways out of myself. Away, away, away. Swimming is that too. I have to breathe deeply. I have to let go. I have to coordinate my body in a way that works better in the water than on land. So perhaps I have become an amphibian. An amphibian. An amphibious creature. Things seem to work better in the water. Less so on land. Less so on land. Sound of trucks outside on the other side of the riverbank. The council, always the council. Chopping, chopping, chopping. Bushes, trees. Bushes, trees. Men with caps. Hurrying about. Going in and out of cars and trucks. In and out, men with caps. Looking busy. Doing little. Doing little. The day is still clinging to summer somehow. A damp end of summer. And the Himalayan balsam is still blowing about in the wind. Back and forth, back and forth having its last fling with itself. That sharp pink flower and those dark green lance-like leaves which the bees love so much. A damp end to summer and a weak watery sunlight passing over the nettles just now. The end of a season the end of a cycle. And now I must write. I must write. That will fix the melancholy. I must write. I am sitting here with my Ovaltine. And the screech owls outside are still eluding me. They are quiet again tonight. Perhaps because the sky is full of thick blankets. Plié, the French say. Plié, folded down for the night. The screech owls have gone to bed. And I am sitting in my bed with my oval teen feeling very Edwardian. And I am thinking of J.M. Barry. Peter Pan. J.M. Barry, who was going to be in my book, The Green Lady, because he, he used to come down to Sussex for holidays. And I imagined, because I think he did, but I still imagined that he stayed at the Beach Hotel, the Grand Hotel opposite us, the Beach Hotel, which features in every book I've written. Ever since I started this journey, this coming-of-age story, Girl with Dove, No Boys Play Here, The Green Lady, my trilogy. Who writes a trilogy, you say? Only somebody with hubris. J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry. 
the famous author of Peter Pan who came down to Sussex for holidays and stayed at the Beach Hotel, the Grand Victorian Residence. Opposite the road I grew up on, the hotel we could never afford to go to. But nonetheless, people did. Nonetheless, they did. And I imagined J.M., Barry and his wife arriving there in their Edwardian clothes in the summer months, slipping out through the back gate, which we used to climb over and play hide-and-seek inside the grounds of the beach hotel next to the yew bush. Spiky, spiky, spiky. Spiky. Ow. My brothers and I used to say, Ow, ow, ow. If you shut your eyes, and are a lucky one, you may see at times a shapeless pool of lovely pale colours suspended in the darkness. Then, if you squeeze your eyes tighter, the pool begins to take shape. And the colours become so vivid with another squeeze, they must go on fire. just before they go on fire, just before that moment, you see the lagoon. This is the nearest you ever get to it on the mainland, just one heavenly moment. If there could be two moments, two, you might see the surf and the mermaids singing. Peter Pan by J. M. Barry. Sometimes you read something and you know immediately the way the words are pointing towards the images that will soon appear and the people too, they will appear and they do and you are grateful. Those people, see, see, see those people, 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 people. People jumping from the lagoon, taking you hostage. Ow, ow, ow. Pirates, you say. Pirates, pirates. I've been captured by pirates. Pirates they may be. But still, you are grateful you are no longer alone, as you were as a child, in the dark, with all those images coming your way. Ow, ow, ow. That shapeless pool of fear. How it breathes in the dark. Your mystery. And now, now I am thinking of Miss Cull, my spinster. Miss Cull, I have left you lying in your twelfth floor flat in that small seaside town. Opposite the beach hotel. I have left you all alone. All alone, Miss Cull. Because we are all children in the end. We are all children. No matter how we try to cover it with rites and rituals and modes of manner, we are all children crying in the dark. 
and Miss Cole. I have abandoned you to my pool of fear. I have let you go, Miss Cole. I have let you go. Miss Cole, who reminds me of my music teacher from all those years ago. The last few days seem melancholy to me. Perhaps it's the turn in the weather. It's both mild and breezy today, but damp, damp, damp. It poured buckets last night. Absolutely buckets loads. Bucket loads of rain. Upon my roof. For hours. For hours. It's quite soothing, really. Being encased in water being inside the womb, a very rainy womb. Perhaps when it rains, we cry too. Or perhaps when we cry, it rains too. Tears of rain. The clouds are heavy today. They simply want to release themselves of their feelings. The burden of always feeling the slightest thing. The breeze, now brisk. No longer a breeze, but a wind. Sharp, brisk. Even. The rain doesn't take offence at its own feeling. So why do we take offence at the feelings of others? And why do we just simply take so much offence these days over nothing? Feelings have always been with us humans like the weather. They come and they go. In the course of an hour, half an hour, a minute or two, then they pass, and then they pass. My mother loved J.M. Barry. She loved Peter Pan. And J.M. Barry used to come down to Sussex for holidays from Scotland. Yes, from Scotland. Certainly he came to Rustington-on-Sea, where he rented a pretty thatched cottage for him and his family. And I know this because I used to pass that cottage on my way to my music lessons with my music teacher, Mrs. Nightingale, who I learned some years later had wanted to adopt me. Imagine that. 
imagine that. Now, because I want to get my facts right, I am going to check where Mr. J.M. Barry comes from in Scotland. Because actually, I know a famous poet who lives there. And because I have a penchant for mixing my words, I must check the provenance of J.M. Barry. Imagine, if you will, I am like Tinkerbell for a moment, whizzing around inside a small jug, looking for a place to hide. But I have now found what it is I wanted. I have found a fact, whereas I strongly suspect Tinkerbell was not fond of those. Wendy, perhaps a little more, a pragmatic soul. Yes, indeed, J.M. Barry was born in Kirrimuir, K-I-R-R-I-E-M-U-I-R. Kirrimuir, Kirrimuir, Kirrimuir. And he spent his childhood in a small, white-washed cottage in Kirrimuir, which I think perhaps is not far from Dumfries. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. I must get out my map of Scotland. What I do know is this. He wrote Peter Pan in London. I believe in Kensington, but let me check my facts. Off I go. Whiz, swoosh, like Tinkerbell, to London, to London, to London. Whoosh, I have landed on the north side, the north side of Kensington Gardens, to a place called Leinster Corner, L-E-I-N-S-T-E-R, on the north side of Kensington Gardens. Kensington Gardens being the place where Mr. and Mrs. Darling live, the parents of Wendy and John and Michael, her brothers, the Lost Boys. So, we have gone from Kirrimuir to Kensington Gardens, and before that, whoosh, we were in Rustington-on-Sea, which is the town along the coast from where I grew up, just two miles along from Littlehampton. And I used to walk along the seafront to Rustington to my music lessons, to be taught the flute, which I played very badly by Mrs Nightingale. Mrs. Nightingale, who I now know, years later, wished to adopt me. Like Wendy, with Peter Pan. But Peter, he was not adopted. He was not the adopting sort in the end, because Peter did not wish to grow up. All children except one grow up. They soon know that they will grow up. And the way Wendy knew was this. One day when she was two years old, she was playing in a garden. And she plucked another flower 
and ran with it to her mother. I suppose she must have looked rather delightful, for Mrs. Darling put her hand to her heart and cried, Oh, why can't you remain like this forever? This was all that passed between them on the subject. But henceforth, Wendy knew that she must grow up. You always know after your two. Two is the beginning of the end. And still the rain comes down and down and down, releasing its woes, its headaches. It's frowns. You know, we don't dance enough. None of us dances enough. I went today into town on my scooter zoom zoom to the college where I am now Notorious, as you know, notorious, Dr. Bailey Chaff Chaser. Dr. Bailey, Lady Stalker, Lady Stalker, Lady Stalker. And I went to find my friend, the principal secretary, and she gave me my post, and we laughed, and we laughed, and I did, I did my Lady Stalker dance in the principal's office, Lady Stalker, and she danced, the stalking lady, she danced, and then the principal came in, and I showed the principal my Lady Stalker dance, and the principal danced with his lady. was the last time the girl Wendy ever saw him. For a little longer, she tried for his sake not to have growing pains, and she felt she was untrue to him when she got a prize for general knowledge. But the years came and went without bringing the careless boy, and when they met again, Wendy was a married woman a married woman, and Peter was no more to her than a little dust in the box in which she had kept her toys. Wendy was grown up. Wendy was grown up. You need not be sorry for her. She was one of the kind that likes to grow up. In the end, she grew up of her own free will a day quicker than other girls. Wendy. Wendy who grows up of her own free will and turns to general knowledge. I think Maeve will be one of those sorts of girls. She will turn her doodling book 
into a form of knowledge. This evening, she said she was drawing me a dog, but the dog unfortunately had turned into an elephant. And as we know, elephants are very wise. Thank you.